It was really warm today. Like it's after been warm up here. After the sun was out. It was like 55 uh, on the 21st of February, which I just have to say, thank you, ExxonMobil. You, I saw, you're really, uh, you're really uh, pulling out there. saw a poll today in the Grand Forks paper that said 41, only 41% of North Dakotans think that anthropogenic climate change is real. That's honestly higher than I thought it was going yeah, to be. Honestly, me too. It's also very directly correlated with the amount of um, North Dakotans who are college educated. <laughs> I was going to say, or it's like based off, like it's a inverse slope of their income. <laughs> like the more money you have, the less you think climate change is That's real. That's because the liberal elites just want to push it on you so they can make you buy the electric car. And they can stick you with that gay ass vaccine, brother. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. You know, I will say, so obviously uh, Monday was President's Day, and all of the networks did their whole like usual spiel, like, oh my God, George Washington was a god, Abraham Lincoln was a god, like we're so lucky that they graced them with their presence, right? And I will say, Fox News did their annual poll of best presidents. Now, this isn't like a poll of where you just be Donnie, right? They, they didn't just ask their viewers, no. Uh, this is like an like they bring in like presidential historians and scholars, and they like rank them based off like their accomplishments and everything like that. Number one was Lincoln. Right Number two was Number two was FDR. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, Fox News. Reagan Reagan actually doesn't even crack the top five. It went Lincoln, FDR, Washington, Teddy, and then Thomas Jefferson. Like the top five. Republicans worship Ronald Reagan. Do you want to know who was the last one? Number forty-six. Was it Donnie? It was Donnie. That's so funny. He literally got ranked worse than the man who caused the Civil War. The man who was like who slave owners. That's and so lib. That's every so liberal. single worst president you can think of. Yeah, oh exactly. Oh my god, Fox News is liberals. Fox News is lib. He wasn't so great, I, but that that is a little excessive. Yeah, that's I would little, say. I mean, I mean, Andrew Jackson literally did a genocide. Yeah, I mean. exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know what the exact metrics they're basing off of, but like, presidential historians were like. Trump really sucked ass, guys. Like, but at least they got my boy FBR, FDR up there. So we love to see it. You know, just, just on the anniversary almost of the uh, the executive order that created the Japanese internment camps. So I haven't uh, watched a lot of Fox ever since I well one moved away from home, mm-hmm. and uh, two they uh, Tucker left. Tragic day. That's true. Uh, like, point, did you see the? I saw I saw an ad today from Old Row for a Tucker Carlson. Oh god, I sent it to you, Cameron. I don't remember what the exact caption was, but it was a Tucker Carlson like American flag shirt. I'm like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. The problem is with all of that is they could make the merch so much cooler, but they make it look so awful. Like, That's I can't so wear bad. this. Know, Not because like of a, like the messaging, but like it just looks so it's bad. It's like a slightly cartoonish Tucker Carlson. It's so funny. I think I said it to the compass. Potentially, oh, did they take it down. No, Tucker sold, Tucker sued him. Putin said take it down. No, uh, but it, oh, it was like a, it's an America first, and then it was a picture of like Tucker Carlson with American flag background. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Swenson family meets or Swanson yeah. family meets uh, <laughs> soon to be uh, inheritor, I guess. Yeah. As soon but, as the old guy dies. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much as soon as his father-in-law dies first of all we today have a very honored guest she's been waiting a very long time to be on the show uh amber why don't you tell tell everyone about yourself um i feel like this is like my first day of college classes i'm not prepared for this moment um, fun fact <laughs> what's your name and fun fact about yourself all right uh, i'm amber uh, a fun fact is i am studying engineering and not education despite many years of educational experience. And that was that favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like me and say white. Uh, I did that in a band class once when I meant to say vanilla. White? I did, yes. <laughs> and I was, ne- <laughs> I was next to Connor, and he was distracting me. And, like, we were talking about that. Obviously, we're not listening. It's, like, attendance. Like, who, ca- who cares? And, like, I was, like, I had it in vanilla in my head. I, I was going to say van- Cameron Vanilla. Cameron Vanilla. All of a sudden, it gets to me. And I'm like, Cameron White. <laughs> <laughs> the only way that's worse is if you say brown. So <laughs> remember that year? It was something similar. You were not paying attention, or like, no, it was you and I were sitting next to each other, and we were paying attention. It was your favorite cereal flavor. Yeah, exactly. I stole one. yours. Nope, no. I think it was the other way around. Was it? We we sit in the back of the class because we're bass. We played uh, trombone. And fucking nobody in the whole class said Captain Crunch. I'm like, fucking score. It's my favorite cereal. Yeah, we're going to be unique. It's going to be awesome. And I can't remember which stole it from one, but yeah, you're right. We literally just like, damn it. (laughs) 
so good. Well, Amber, uh, glad to have you on. I know you've been waiting here for a long time, so we'll be tackling some really cool issues, uh, talking about the future of our children and why they're all dumb. <laughs> but first of all, as usual, we'll be talking about the news. I wanted to start, like I said, internationally today with our friends across the pond in, in London. Famed whistleblower Julian Assange has spent the last roughly 15 years in very brutal p prison conditions for the crime of doing journalism and founding WikiLeaks. Now, his trial was set, it was, uh, two, it was two days, it was Monday, Tuesday, talking about, actually, I meant to use it yesterday and today, was talking about his extradition to the United States to face even more charges. And let's be real, if he gets to the United States, that man's a dead man or he'll be he sent will into, die. He will he be will sent die. into a hole and never heard from for the rest of his life. There's a reason why like people like him and Snowden have to leave the United States because as free as the press as we have, it's only free until you criticize it a little bit too much. And the decision is going to be given somewhat soon. The the, they were expecting the judges to rule right away, but they said they're going to reserve their their holds. Obviously, the judges meant to, uh, that were sent to represent Washington were trying as hard as they possibly could to not get him or like to get his ass back to the United States. So we'll see. Uh, he was granted citizenship by the by the government of Spain over the weekend. So if he needs to, like, if he does get acquitted, I assume, or at least out of prison. I assume he'll go there and live his life out with a free, happy man. Famously, fun story about Julian Assange, Assange is that if they I, have... I'm sorry, by mean live out his days as a free, happy man, you'll mean he'll get assassinated by the CIA within the year. You, you beat me to it because, yes, <laughs> under the Donald Trump presidency, there was a publicized plan where the CIA was going to assassinate him. In fact, actually, Hillary Clinton, during the Obama administration, asked, can't we just drone strike that guy? And that's pretty much a direct quote. I'm not even, I'm not even paraphrasing. Julie said, can't we just drone that guy? But I wanted Famously. to ask you guys. I wanted to ask you guys about this, and obviously, Amber, if you'd like to have an opinion, feel free. But I wanted to ask you guys about whistleblowers in general, and like, what do you think should be done about them? What do you think like is going to like ha obviously what's going to happen in the future, and everything like that, and just what are your guys' opinion about whistleblowers in general, like Snowden? I think everything outside of military should be public knowledge anyway. So, I mean, I I, I don't know. I think I, I think the idea of keeping things secret besides military is really dumb. I I think even along the lines of like i i understand to an extent like covert like agents and uh like troop position troop movements like legitimate military tactics ship placements obviously like you know if we're in wartime you should probably keep that secret you know but like the fact like the reason like the stuff that julian assange leaked like whistleblowers in general like we're talking about the like the national security act and that kind of stuff like spying on the american people lying about them to go to war in iraq and afghanistan like i he did a good thing by releasing that kind of stuff like no journalist is going to go out and publish fucking the location of american bases to get them fucking bombed like unless you're edgy and have a sense yeah, of humor you're, I guess. you're just a little edgy but i mean freedom of the press what are you gonna do yeah that's true i'm, I'm pretty much of the same mind i i am pretty much anti-classification for most things i think like genuinely if you cannot prove to me like why this would be a quote-unquote threat to national security it should be yeah. public knowledge immediately and not wait like 50 years until everyone's forgotten about everything kind of thing like, yeah, if you're posting, like, yeah. like, if you're doing a news article on, here's the best way to sneak into the White House to kill the president in Minecraft. Super, super illegal. Super illegal. That Please don't say, do that. Yeah. <laughs> super illegal to say that the the best place to launch a mortar from the, from the White House is the Rockefeller Plaza building. Super illegal. Don't do that. There was a, um, God, I don't remember. I think it was Jim Jeffries who was doing a bit about, like, the same sort of topic. And he was talking about, like, missile strikes and whatnot, and he was going to say the coordinates <laughs> of, like, L.A. in his show, which is clearly, like, you can Google that in yeah. five seconds. Yeah. But he literally had his lawyers tell him, you cannot put the actual coordinates <laughs> of a city in there, because if it gets, like, drone striked or something, you You're could not. legitimately be sued. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> Griffin, you said you had a story today, right? Yeah, uh, it's uh, a little more somber to start things off. Um, in uh, close to our hometown of beautiful Waconia, Minnesota, um, there is a city known as Burnsville, Minnesota. It's 45 minutes to an hour away. And uh, a few days ago, I'm not sure exactly what day it was. Uh, this was on Sunday. Uh, two police officers and a firefighter responded to a domestic alleged domestic abuse case 
where a armed man barricaded himself inside his home with family members held hostage. He then opened fire on the people outside, killing two police officers and one fireman uh, before turning his firearm on himself and killing himself. Um, I'm, I understand the family is fine, obviously, you know, traumatizing. Um, again, as much as we hate on cops here, the, the loss of human life is always regrettable. Um, firefighters obviously never deserve to die. Uh, but yeah, this little little news close to home, a little bit of a, so send a shockwave to the community back home. But yeah, I saw that Walls posted like uh, something for the Burnsville. I think he was going to like name something after them or yeah. a foundation or something. So I actually don't even know if they were cops. They might have been public safety officers to be honest so yeah they're just it's just less trained cops basically yeah not not as trained Somehow. as some that get spooked at uh at nature yeah. and then on a slightly lighter note um instead of feeling bad for cop, we're gonna make fun of cops now um which still feels a little messed up uh after it but i don't i'm not sure where this was but somewhere cops uh, responded to a call about a woman who said her ex-boyfriend stole her car so they show up and they're uh, they're questioning the lady and as they're questioning her, the the boyfriend shows up. You're never gonna guess what state he's from. Just to interrupt you. I actually don't know what state he's from. Florida. That's, uh, I forgot this happened in Florida. That makes yeah. so much sense. <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" So they question him for a little bit, and after they, I mean, it's a perfectly normal police interaction. After they question him for a little bit, they they decide they have sufficient evidence. First of all, I will state this is a black man. Uh, they have sufficient evidence that they, they cuff him and they put him in the back of the squad car. They haven't necessarily placed him under arrest yet, but they're like, oh, we're definitely going to want to question you some more. And there's two cops there, I think maybe even three, and one of them is still talking to the family, the girlfriend, while the other one's walking past the squad car. And as he's walking past the squad car, he suddenly screams, shots fired, shots fired, and dives on the ground, pops up, and just mag dumps into the squad car. <laughs> he did, a, uh, he did like three barrel guy, rolls. Yeah. Where this guy is now sitting. And the other cop hears him screaming, shots fired, shots fired, and mag dumping into the squad car and does the most logical thing and mag dumps into the squad car. I think in total there was like 38 rounds or something fired. And the guy wasn't even cuffed, actually, I don't think, because he gets out of the squad car and he's fine. <laughs> he's completely, like, unscathed. And they, like, tackle him. And then they cuff him and throw him in. And Well, it turns out there was never actually a shots fired. Uh, instead, an acorn fell off of a tree above the cop car, bounced off the top of it. <laughs> making you know a slight little pop sound and the cop mistook that for a gunshot and it's, uh, not, it's, it's not even it's even worse than that too in the sense of the acorn fell on the car and yes it sounded like he said it sounded like a gunshot but then the acorn hit him to which he screamed i'm hit i'm hit i'm hit and he does three barrel rolls and like you said it just empties his clip into the back of his own car <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah so uh i the officer has uh since resigned <laughs> I can I can only imagine. So I mean, if not for the safety of the person, for the damage of the city property. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, the most normal cop. I swear to yeah. God. Yeah. Um, I think that will probably do it for our news today. I was gonna. I will mention in the sense that uh, updates on Gaza. The other uh, yesterday, the United States vetoed for their third ceasefire resolution, claiming that it was quote breaking with diplomacy. <laughs> Following this, the United States representative to the United Nations, Linda Thomas Greenfield gave a speech and when speeches are given by prominent politicians they have to go through like several rounds of revision and like drafts and everything like that not to mention like they're pretty they're usually written with like people with like pretty high degrees in like english literature and like just speaking in general like their, their whole job is to do public speeches and nothing slips by my mistake well this speech that she gave while an ongoing genocide is happening just for background she decides to say blah 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 all this and she ends the speech with and we will keep working deliberately through diplomacy until we find a, a solution or until we find something that works on the ground until we find a final solution. Those were, those were her exact words to end her speech was final solution. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad beat. Yeah, it's, it's not great. But. Uh, for those of you at home who may be a little confused, uh, that is how the Nazis referred to one specific genocide be known as the holocaust as the final solution yeah actually my roommates didn't know that either and i was saying like can you guys believe she said that and they were like what are you talking about like, or oh, whatever it is i'm like no no that's literally what the nazis called it literally what the nazis called it we're bar for bar welcome back to two lefties get it right episode 41 Talking about education today, 
We have, like I said, we have a very special guest, Amber, here to talk about it from the teacher's perspective. And we're going to get into the future of American education, talking about education as a whole and comparatively to the rest of the world, because it turns out other places in the world know how to do it and know how to do it better than the United States. It's always great to look at that. To start us off, I wanted to ask you, Amber, what would you say, uh, first of all, for some background, what areas did you teach and like how old were the people? So I worked at a daycare for four years, kind of off and on, because it was like through junior and senior year of high school. So we had uh, COVID and all that fun stuff to deal with. And then I also took a little break to go to school. And now I haven't worked there since August, but I have been thinking about what I'm going to do for the summer. So that's definitely an option to go back there. Um, I worked as like a float. So I was kind of everywhere, but I more specified with the toddlers. So that was aged 16 months to about two and a half ish is when they moved up. Um, and I was in the toddler rooms for, I want to say a good, decent year, year and a half of my time. So not really ones that talk to you or know anything, but definitely a fun time. <laughs> Is that so if they didn't talk, was that like, were you responsible for any like actual like teaching in the sense of like letters or words or anything like that? Or is that? Yes. So we, um, we had like our morning group time, if you want to call it that, where you would have them all sit down, you would do maybe like a good morning song, and then you would read them a lot of books and you'd watch videos on colors or like have little color flashcards and be like, this is red. And then like red and all that fun stuff. And you go through animal sounds, not necessarily the alphabet in the younger classroom, but you can definitely start in the older classroom where you're like trying to make letters out of shapes. So like if you did an E, you could do like an elephant or something and have the letter and glue some pieces to it. Nick, I need you to demonstrate one of the good morning songs for us, yeah, for, Nick, for our audience. Please, will you please sing a good morning song? I don't know any good morning songs. What have that's you been a, teaching him? That is a travesty. <laughs> Damn. I, I have uh, not been teaching him the good morning songs. Unbelievable. Uh, They're the, all the on failures YouTube anyway. Our education system is failing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as like obviously more of like a younger audience, I guess the students is probably the best way to phrase that. Do you, have you noticed, like, obviously you worked there for four years. Did you notice any, like, overall patterns as the years went on? Or is it pretty much routine as it went through? Um, because I feel like because I did not have the experience a lot, like, pre-COVID, that, like, I kind of was just like, this is how it is. But there were definitely some times when I noticed, like, later going on that, like, when I first started not a lot of these things were happening and then like the listening skills and the like when you tell a toddler no half the time they're gonna listen the other half they're not gonna listen and I feel like the longer that I was in education I realized that like more and more of the children like didn't listen as well as you would like which I was makes a... it difficult with <laughs> 20 some toddlers in a room yeah yeah sounds... for sure I was uh, actually on our trip over break when I was flying down uh, on vacation. I was behind these couple really young kids, probably no older than six among them is probably the oldest one out of all of them. And they were the definition of iPad kids. Like they all had their like customizable cases and like there was never a point like the dad who was sitting in the robe in front of them. And it was, it was a mom. I, I assume babysitter or aunt or whatever it was and then the, the kids when the one ipad would die the dad would whip out another ipad to, repl <laughs> to replace that one like Quick it draw. was it was ridiculous and like the fact that like no social interaction was allowed just you screen forget about it move on from there they were bouncing around it was awful one of the worst fights i've ever been on and if that is the way the direction that's going and very very concerned for the future of american education another another question in the sense of would you describe like what you did as more privatized like school education or was it more like public sector like facilitated by the state? Um, that's kind of difficult to say. Um, I would say it was more kind of like the just like general knowledge like we taught ABCs like how to read, how to write, coloring, like using basic scissors depending on what classroom you are. 
And then we typically, like, there is a curriculum to follow. So I had looked through, like, the toddler curriculum, and it was, like, the younger toddlers, you had a month at a time where, like, this month you're focusing on this, this month you're focusing on this. And it would change, like, week by week within that category. Or every two weeks, I think it would change in the younger toddler room. And then the older toddler room, you would have, like, two weeks of a big category and then, like, each week is something smaller. So you'd have, like, you would learn about different things each day. Like one of the favorite weeks that I ever had was over the summers with our county fair, we would have like a fair week. So you would do like you your arts and crafts, you could be making like popcorn or different animals. And you'd talk about all the stuff that you do at the fair because it's like right down the street from us. So mm, that's at least good that the sense of like there was some like specialization for sure. Uh, I think that's definitely the variety of learning. Like the only, the, the reason I asked that in the sense of, I think the data is fairly clear and I could be mistaken on this, but typically I think private schools come out with better outcomes, like overall wise than public schools. I mean, that would make sense because there's more money into them overall, like per capita and everything like that. I just wanted to know if like that translated down to like even like the base level of like elementary and like even pre-K kind of stuff like that. I don't really know about that, but I like whatever you're saying makes a lot of sense to me because uh, like especially with private schools, you have the smaller class sizes and like there is more money. So you're able to hire like the better, not necessarily better teachers, but like better teachers in that sense where they're like, they're used to the private school education as well as like all the curriculum and all that stuff. The problem that I have with private school is obviously I think that they are not exactly a great source of education specifically because a lot of them are not regulated. I mean, it's one of the benefits of being in the private sector is you kind of avoid a lot of regulation that way. And a lot of them skew very, very religious, which I don't exactly think is the best when it comes to like, in, like teaching mass populations I think that's fine for select areas. And if you want to go to a religious school, that's fine. But the more and more money that gets dumped in from like uh, Turning Point USA, great example of this. They have donated hundreds of millions of dollars into education, into private schools and charter schools, because they want to push an agenda as early as they can. Now, as much as it makes me sound like DeSantis going, oh my God, they're pushing an agenda. But like, it's quite literally like, unlike the quote unquote Marxist ideology of your average public school teacher that says gay people exist. The religious stuff is definitely more, I don't want to say sinister, but definitely more deliberate. Well, I, if you look back at like the, uh, like 1970s, 1980s, I don't remember exactly who it was. The time, like the, the biggest threat, you know, to like, uh, it's a direct quote. I remember who says, it. I want to say it's one of Reagan's guys. Like the, the biggest threat to our way of life is an educated proletariat. And so it's like the idea of the private school, like, coming to the forefront is you're rich you can in theory is you're rich you can afford a better education rich kids are further ahead inequality of opportunity essentially you have more money you get a better opportunity it's why a lot of people i might been you know pushing push private schools which i mean you can argue the fairness of that if you have money should you be allowed you know better education etc uh, no. I just... <laughs> I, so here's a weird thing. For those of you that have been listening to the show, I'm sure you're aware I'm I'm pretty big on freedom. It's a big deal to me. We're anti-freedom. Uh, That's only... I, famously, I hate freedom. Yeah, it's, only... it's an evil tenant. So I take a really hard 180 when it comes to children. I believe in a f***ing authoritarian way of raising kids. I don't think most parents are very good at what they do, honestly. Do you not support the gentle parent? No, I, I think... Well, I think <laughs> Nick, Nick supports banking. <laughs> the church school, you know, shielding them from certain parts of society. It shapes a person for the rest of their life. And I, I just, I think... I don't know. I think bad people breed bad people and getting exposure by forcing kids to go to public school. I think, I don't know. I think it would make it uh, a, uh, a more unified society. Agree with you, Nick. Like I think I granted Maconia is about the worst example you can get of this. <laughs> of we like, were at the poorest school district per capita in the entire state. Um, but like <laughs> you look at like Waconia, like first of all, everybody there's white and relatively similar economic situation. But, like, in general, like, exposure, 
in public school. Like you go to a public high school with a decent amount of people, you're gonna meet gay people. You're gonna meet people of another race than you. People with other ideas than you. Like you're gonna people of other religions. Like all this stuff. You're gonna meet people and have that exposure to that. Oh, white Judeo-Christian. And you're gonna rich meet people. It's not the only people on this planet. And you're gonna meet a variety of teachers. If yeah. You go to a Christian school. They're all gonna be Christian teachers. I would love to be like just like go there, like go to be like <laughs> apply to be a teacher at a Christian school, and you're just like the hardcore <laughs> atheist person who's up there like. Let's go. Let's get some science Trojan. class rolling, and you're like teaching like hardcore evolutionary biology, and they're like, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> there is no evidence for X, Y, and Z, and everything like that. Just go completely against the foundational principles. Are you okay, Nick? He thought he had. He thought I he had to sneeze, sneeze and change his mind. You ever have like a really big sneeze that comes up and then it just fucking goes away? Yes. It's the most. It's like, yeah. It's like edging, but in the worst way. <laughs> you sneeze your edge. Edge your sneeze. I, uh, I did not have edging coming up on today's episode. Thank you, Dick. <laughs> well, we, we talked about E for elephant, E for edging. Uh, that's, uh, that's what we should be teaching the kids if that, we weren't woke. So. Is, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, another thing about education, and this is somewhat tangentially related to that too, is we heard about a lot about education on the Republican primary debates and the Republican primary process in general this last time around. It's been a huge talking point for the right for the last several years because them schools, they're teaching their kids to be gay and trans and they're letting kids be cats and use the litter box and everything like that. It's so funny to me how many people believe that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you, Libs of TikTok, who yep. is now the Oklahoma superintendent. Is it really? She literally, She literally got appointed. She doesn't... She doesn't live in Oklahoma. She has no background in education. She has nothing that qualifies her for it. And she is literally on the governor-appointed library uh, selection board. That's like, crazy. basically regulates what goes into libraries and stuff. And, like, throughout the whole debate process, they were asked several times, and my man Vivek was the most prominent example of this, what would you do to the Department of Education? And they basically all said, like, I would eliminate it or I would just get rid of it. And granted, they've been doing it slowly and steadily over the last... 60 years by just slowly but surely cutting funding diverting it back somewhere else giving more private school vouchers everything like that but while gutting the teaching administration state because yeah wokeism and vivek is actually still allegedly according to donnie still on his like potential vp shortlist so we could have someone as the vice president of the united states that just wants to literally abolish the department of education and that's that looks like it would be very very helpful to a nation that is not even in the top 10 of OECD nations and educational outcomes the way it is right now. Do you think leaving it to the states would be better? I think that there is an element of like like specialization state by state for curriculum, yes. But I, I think that every I think there should be national standards of education. I think that they should be bolstered far more than they are now. Like their educa the education budget, if I'm not mistaken, is less than 10% of what we spend every single year. It should be closer to like 30 or 40 in my opinion. I think that like Obviously, defense spending needs to come down, and most of that should go to education, whether that's hiring more teachers, whether that's updating the curriculum, whatever it is. Ridiculous how little the federal government spends on teaching, and that leads to the teacher charge we have now. Well, you forget how much of it goes to universities, too. Oh, and, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of the question. Basically, which just turns. doesn't obviously, of course, go to benefiting the students. It goes to paying college administrators and whatnot. But Right. I was going to say research, which is uh, cool, also but a, also it doesn't point. benefit yeah. the students. No, you're right. There is uh, – in order to – in almost every – especially science fields, in order to become like a professor at a university, you have to be actively doing research or they won't hire you as a professor because that's how universities make their money is off federal grant, federal research grants. Uh, Amber, the que a question off that too is did you ever experience or did someone, maybe one of the older teachers that was working at the daycare, ever experience like direct – problems that probably could be addressed with funding like whether that was a teacher shortage or just different materials or whatever it was like was there explicitly a problem that had to do with funding that you experienced i mean where i worked because it was like a year-round sort of like daycare thing and we had it was a bigger center so there were <clears throat> lots and lots of families like paying their their bills and whatnot so i don't think that there was necessarily like a lack of funding where i was but it would, there were definitely some things that you could tell where the teachers that the toddler teachers, I know that a lot of them went out and I'm assuming they used their own money to buy like the decorations for their classrooms. So like all the like window clings and like some of the other stuff and compared to the teachers that just like 
had their kids make stuff to put up or all that stuff. So it was kind of like, yes, but no, where it was like, if they're spending their own money, it's for like a good cause. And they're obviously going to get their money's worth out of it. Uh, you have to she, keep in mind. That's also where she worked was totally private, right? It was not yeah. a government institution. Yeah, for sure. It is uh, interesting yeah. though. And we don't have to talk about this, but to, daycare costs you know she said that they didn't have everything she's also told me how much they charge to send kids you can you can look up the rates of most centers like i think there's a website that like lists off all the like different centers and all their fees daycare is crazy it blows my brains out like for infants i kind of get it because like you have to you know do everything but older than an infant it just is outrageous how much it costs it's a little crazy that there's like no semblance of like a public daycare system like i get for like infants and stuff but, like any for like three four like like pre-k like preschool like all of that's private too isn't it most for of the, the time, most I, part I, yeah. I think kids company but that was just a corporation kids company's like, like an after school like daycare thing that was they, all private. they do have a summer program for kids company though didn't you have but to that, i mean that's all private though? you have to like, pay that's for that. not you probably yeah. still have to pay for it, do, but it's not going to be it. as expensive as daycare. But also, no. one of the things with kids' company is that they are dealing with school-agers, typically. Yeah. And yeah. So, like, age five and up, which my daycare, we had probably only, like, 30, I think it was 30 this past summer, school-agers total. Because, obviously, there's more of a priority for year-round care for everyone younger than going yeah. to school uh, it's like it's just crazy to me because like 99 percent of americans are working full-time during the day away from home well i maybe not you know as many more but they're just not gonna have time to take care of a kid like this is such a prevalent problem and it's been a thing not necessarily a problem but it's been a thing for so long you think somebody would have been like damn maybe we should do something about that oh yeah for sure i mean i, I looked it up as we as you guys were talking the average weekly daycare cost is between 350 and 400 dollars a week yeah it's crazy That's- that's two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, the average, more than rent. <laughs> the average person does not have that to spend, and like when you have to decide, okay, do I work or do I send my kids somewhere or something like that? Bring it, your kid to the factory, baby. Get them working. Yeah. I mean, that's the way we're treating right now. I mean, Florida, hell, hell yeah, brother. Let's let's go. Get or back Kansas, Iowa, or Kansas, or Iowa. Yeah, exactly. And that brings like that brings it to like obviously the cost of education in general. Whether you whether you want to start like the daycare preschool level all the way up to the university. I mean. Yeah. If you look at like the like quite literally the line, the graph of what educational costs have done in the last seventy years, you have the most naturally well, naturally occurring exponential graph you're ever going to find in the real world. Especially like university costs. I we don't need to touch on this too much because I think it kind of gets away from our public education talk. But my uh, geochemistry professor, we were talking, and uh, I there was a textbook that I needed for the class that to buy it from the books to buy it used copy from the books. To, I'm sorry. To rent a used copy from the bookstore was like 150 bucks, and I'm like that's crazy. So I, I did some digging and like I found a used one somewhere for like 60 bucks. I'm like that still sucks. So I ordered it, and we were in class and I was like, hey, he's like, oh, can you open your? I'm like, ah, sorry, I don't have my textbook yet. Like I ordered it. It was really expensive. And like he understood, you know. He's like, I get that. He's like, he's like just like curiosity. I could indulge me. Like how much was it like at the bookstore? And I was like, it was like 150 bucks to rent it. And he goes, that's crazy. When I went to college, we did quarters, and I paid fifty bucks a quarter for my tuition, <laughs> <laughs> tuition and books. Yeah, it, and now exactly. he's an older guy; like he's probably in his seventies, but still, like that's the growth. It's is not crazy. that. It's not that long ago, like yeah. historically speaking. Like 50, like... fifty years ago, and we've gone from twenty. We're going from a hundred bucks for all your fees in a semester to, I think the average is like twenty five thousand dollars. Thank you, Nixon. Thank you, Reagan. Yeah, thanks, Thank thanks, you guys Reagan. So much. Very cool. Well, Super. you know what's nuts about it is they don't need it. Yeah. I've started no. to realize that because scholarships, right, they act like they're giving you money. No. It's more like a, a, a Kohl's phenomenon. Yeah, it's like yeah. a discount. It's, yeah. it's a discount on something that's artificially marked up, right? Yeah, literally. And I was talking with my advisor because he wants me to go to grad school. And he's like, yeah, so grad they can farm you some really, more. really, you know, I asked no, him, you know, what's the cost? You'll never of pay for, if you do it right, you won't pay for grad school. Right. Well, that's that's what I was going to get at is yeah. I'm like, what does the cost look like? Well, he's like, you know, if you pay out of pocket, it's 50 percent more than regular tuition. But he said, you know, you you get good grades. You could get this 
TA thing where you work for, you know, 15 hours a week and you get a full ride plus like literally two grand a month or we something. Had a, a, couple, a couple of our professors, we had like, I don't remember, it was like a lunch thing, like a grad school like seminar where a couple of our professors and a couple of the doctorate students in our department like sat down and they're like, listen, you like, for the people that are like, you guys are like, if you get good grades and you do your due diligence and you, know, you reach out to professors, you will be getting, you will go to school for free and you'll be getting paid the whole time. You'll be working 80 hours a week between your classes and all the shit you're going to have to do and not making a lot of money, but you'll go to school for free. Like, yeah. I think one of our PhD geology guys, he's on a full ride as a doctorate student and then he works like 35 hours a week for the university and he only gets like a two and a half thousand, he gets like a $2,000 a month stipend. So it's not crazy, but you're going to school for free. And that actually segues pretty well into another, obviously, Obviously, the joke is that, like, the running joke at this point, and it's just so unbelievably sad that it is such a joke at this point, is teacher salary. The average the average starting teacher salary, according to, I wrote this down, according to the NEA, the National Educational Association, is $41,974 a year, which averages out to $20 an hour. People are going to school, collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, or at least $100,000 in debt, going for this education, whatever it is, going back to work for it, to quite literally be a public servant to teach the next generation of people, which is, in my opinion, one of the most important jobs in the world, and they're making $20 an hour. I can I could find a job on the side. I think you can work at Home Depot for $21 an hour right now. You can now, work at McDonald's for $22 an hour right now. Here is one thing that I'll say, and I know that during the school year, the hours are kind of effed up, but just hear me out. I'm going to be a hater. <laughs> Always. Always got to play it. They collectively, with like Thanksgiving break and spring break and summer work eight months out of the year. And I know that because I have teachers in my family and I like see them over the summer and they fucking get drunk on a Wednesday night because they can like, they're not <laughs> doing work for four months, but some of them do have like a part-time second job to Most make up for some of those. Right. And but my my number two thing is job security, right? Getting fired from a government job is you have to impossible. you have to really f up. <laughs> You'd have to do something really terrible. Like if you're just a half-assed person, you cannot, will not, probably ever get fired if you don't want to leave. Well, if you're unionized, if you're in the motherfucking teachers' union, baby, get get tenure. Obviously, that's for professors. But no, the, another part of that too is. That's the starting salary is 41000 With five years plus experience, as you mentioned with job security, that averages out to about $66,000 a year. I think with a master's, it jumps up to like ninety. But even that, you're paying, like you said, twenty-five or 50% more for your master's degree, even if it's only a year or two for education. That's still tens of thousands of dollars you have to take out of loans or somehow if you can find the cash for it, which not going to happen. If you, can, if you can do that, you're working forever to try to make that up. I mean, a high school physics teacher literally made more money. Like he would work for nine months of the year doing teaching and he loved it. It was his passion. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And he would go work at 3M, a big manufacturing company over the summer. And he would, he told me that he would make more money in those three months than he did all year of teaching, which to me is the pinnacle failure of a society. If you cannot, like I've always had the extreme opinion and feel free to push back on you guys if you disagree, but I'm of the opinion. I think that like most teachers is like even like middle high school level for sure. And can trickle it down to the elementary schoolers to a degree, but I think they should be paid comparable to doctors and because they do such a vital public service, especially like you're talking like, look at inner city schools. Like they have ham sandwiches as a budget for a month and they have to make it work to, uh, to try to teach 50, 100 kids per class that don't really want to be there. And they still are able to do it because they put their heart into it because they're passionate about it. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, maybe like whatever the most basic jazz doctor is, but like, I, I think it's you, you, be tough pressed to convince me that they should be paid as much as like an orthopedic surgeon or something. Okay. And if you want, if you want to scale it, obviously, but like, I'm talking like the government has the resources to pay those people as much as they want and to pay them as much as in my opinion that they deserve. Like you, you might say that they only work eight, nine months of the year, but yeah, they're not exactly going out and buying luxury cars at those eight, nine months a year for work either. I mean, I, I, I'd be hard. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a public school teacher, especially at like middle school level, that doesn't have a second job, that doesn't have a side gig or something in general. This is actually a fun fact. I don't know if this is true, so don't take my word for it. 
Fun fact, that's not a fact. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the number one um, profession for NFL cheerleaders and NBA, do they have any? I don't know, some other league. Uh, Golf. I can't remember. It was some other league. Probably is NBA. Elementary school teachers. That makes sense. That does make number sense. Number one profession outside of their cheerleading is well, yeah. I mean, even the cheer like professional cheerleaders like that, like the ones that go for the team, even they don't make a whole lot of money. Like statistically speaking, no. I think they... I saw a TikTok that it was like you have to show proof of other like employment besides this cheerleading job to qualify because... for like benefits. Because they know that the cheerleading doesn't pay enough, so they're like, you need to have another job. So much fun. I do want to talk a little bit, uh, we were talking about, obviously, the next generation. As uh, as I questioned a little bit ago about, like, what do you see, like, trend-wise, um, do you see, and, like, if you're still in contact with people that still work there and everything like that, or just generally, if you know teachers and that are working in younger stuff, what do you all, and Amber, this is obviously you included, what do you all see happening in the next five to ten years? Because as a baseline, before the question is like, even posed out, According to like numerous studies, including uh, one by Peggy Carr, the Commissioner of the National Center for Educational Statistics, reading and math scores are the lowest that they've been in decades. Uh, engagement between the children is is the lowest it's been in so long. Like they don't, they simply don't care to be there anymore. When it comes to different technological advancements, obviously with the iPads and the laptops, because we were laptop kids. I mean, we went to we were the first kids to not have books, but we went through a school with we missed iPads every single year, and we got laptops in general, but. What do you guys see as like time progresses with the stats that we're seeing now? And is there a way to potentially change that? So I've been re- the start of the semester. I'm in a freshman level English class, which is very annoying because my credits did transfer. But I digress. Yeah, we, we, we love that. Re- I'm doing research on um, the effect of like COVID and like online school in general on students' um, engagement and like scores. And I still don't know how I feel because I think we're still hitting the tail end. <laughs> of covid uh, especially in like yeah especially in like like the lower grades like everybody like you think about like if you're in elementary school when covid hit so you lost more or less two years of elementary school which are incredibly important in like social skills and like learning how to act in a classroom and just like overall that kind of stuff um same with like middle school like now you're starting to learn study habits early high school like that kind of stuff like i think we're still kind of seeing the backlash of the, the back end of that you know you we're a couple years out of it, for the most part, out of being closed down, things should be starting to get back to normal. And I, but I don't think they are. Is the problem? I think they're continuing with the same trend. So now I don't I think, really know what to think. I think we're at another impasse where technology is meeting education because not because. Um, and I, I think there's there's a a decision to be made versus are we going to embrace the fact that you're not going to do as well at these things but you can use technology to further yourself or are you going to go back to the concrete and make people do it? Because like I have some brilliant, you know, uh, professors at my school, but if you put them up against somebody from a hundred years ago without a computer or a calculator and said, here, do this mathematical theory or something, they would, I I would bet they get their ass handed to them just because you, you, as technology progresses, you rely less on the basics because you don't have to do it. I agree with you at the technology. I think we're at a point where technology is such a staple of like the classroom experience. I think the problem with it is we don't necessarily affect, know how to use it effectively yet. Like Schoology was a thing when we were in high school. Ah, uh, Schoology. And like it was fine, but like it wasn't perfect by any means. And like so, I don't think teachers are necessarily. One, I don't think the programs are quite there. I think they're okay. I don't think they're where they need to be. And I don't think the teachers are effectively trained enough on how to properly implement them in a way that's as effective as you know the more old school way of doing things. I mean, like, <laughs> obviously, the a side of it, too. I remember my fifth grade teacher, when Schoology was, like, first, like, debuting, literally said to me, straight face, this is going to be Facebook, but for school. Who said that? <laughs> uh, Hawkinson. Let's go. <laughs> The goat. The goat. But yes, to the actual teacher, what, what are your thoughts, Amber? What was the question again? My my attention span is not the greatest right now. iPad kid. iPad kid. I, iPad kid, 100%. <laughs> like, what, what do you see going forward? Like, what, what most concerns you? What do you think, like, the trends are looking like the way from what, obviously, like, anecdotally, or if you know someone that's still teaching, 
and like what do you think like potentially solution might be if there's a way to get out of it at all um one of the things i noticed is that like the increased in behavioral issues for like kids any age is that like they don't listen very well or like if you're trying to tell them something in like a really nice manner they're just like don't want to hear it don't listen scream at you maybe throw some things like you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen but i definitely think that like in order for you to be able to use like the technology that's coming you still have to have your basic education like if you're gonna have something on a screen you're not gonna want it to like get read aloud to you you're gonna want to skim through it and learn how to do those things and i feel like right now kids aren't getting that like required education of like just basic like here's what you're reading they're just memorizing what they see and know that like that's how the word is said mm. on the behavioral stuff this is definitely like a foxy's talking point but i don't think that's totally <laughs> wrong millennials might just be titty parents that like, too i don't i don't think it's unreasonable to rule out like we all know like you know millennials you know the the cringe and the internet culture around millennials but he came uh, he saw he believed yeah, millennials like, were shitty parents because their parents were shitty. Yeah, well, millennials had parents who were dicks and terrible to them. So now millennial parents coddle their kids too much because their parents never fucking loved them in the first place. Well, like, I just, you know, what confuses me in the generational thing is how did we go from the silent generation, like World War One, World War Two, those kind of like, oh, like the hardworking American, if you think about history, to the boomers and the millennials. Like, how did, where, how did that Ronald happen? Reagan. <laughs> I mean, everything the, is Reagan's fault. Everything is Reagan's fault. I mean, that's the running joke of everything else, too. But, like, in, in a sense, it's not wrong to, obviously, Reagan is just an emblematic of an overall trend. But if you look at back at, like, the peak American time, like, everyone always says, like, oh, like, between, like, the like late 40s, 50s, like, right after World War II, that was like the peak of American empire kind of thing like that. Everyone could, you could, one person could work, one person could stay at home, pay for you college. Could pay for, a carnival damn near. Yeah, <laughs> literally, exactly. And the way that that works is if you look at like the trends of that was the highest unionization rates of the country. That was the highest tax rates of the top wealthiest percent. You had like right after World War II, there was a 95% income tax rate on the highest earners of the country. Do you know what it is today? Just under 30%. And like, that's not exactly like people will be like, oh, what's what's this random like economic downturn? But if you try, if you do make the make your lives harder for the average worker and don't make sure that the top guys are paying their more than their fair share, then yeah, I mean, that does what does trickle down is the debt that they were paying beforehand that's why we're in such a deficit now i think another thing that contributes to it is the more like like the work culture like you say like you know the height of the american empire you got one parent's at home like at work in the factory and the other one's staying at home but like there was also a like a bigger emphasis on family life and spending time with your family whether that's you know going to church do ball game like whatever there's this emphasis on family not so much on the career and that starts to shift in the, especially the 80s, like late 70s into the 80s, like this emphasis on being career driven. Now you've got both parents in the household, both parents out working. Um, it's like as the career kind of shifts, so the focus shifts from family life to career oriented. Parents have less time for their kids, less family focused. Kids start to, you know, misbehave, et cetera, try and get attention from their parents. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. So yeah, very, very, very grim on that outcome. Another thing that like, worries me is the intercommunicational skills like we are very we are we are getting to a point from what obviously i have anecdotal evidence of this but i don't know about the statistical stuff of it is we're getting to the point where attention spans are getting shorter and shorter i think on average like the gen z attention span versus even millennial attention span everything like that is just drastically getting shorter i mean constantly like the the fruit ninja or uh subway surfers when you're watching a 10 second video. I mean, it's a perfect example. Of I that. love those videos. I love having to have an extra video on my short form content platform. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't pay attention for 15, 20 seconds when I'm hearing a monotone AI voice, tell a story from r slash not safe for work or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> but if that trend continues to like gen alpha and soon to be gen beta, which side note, we can't have kids for the next 14 years or they will be gen beta. 
Yeah, that's crazy. We're not having betas out here, so we can't have betas. That's no betas. We can't go from Zoomers to betas. Gen Z. Like... Let's go. Gen... Yeah. What and... are we? We're we're Gen we're... Z. We're Gen Z. We're actually Zillennials. I mean, technically. Zillennial. No, it's, we're Gen it's, Z. It's, we're young enough the, to be Gen it's Z. It's the term this... that go. It's the term that goes from like '98 to 2002. So sorry, Amber. Yeah. Cool so kids. Ga- like Gavin's more of like a Zillennial than we are. Yeah, uh, I mean, he is. He's definitely in the middle of it. I I think. The conversations like this are going to be looked back on 30 years from now is like, huh, look at these idiots. Like the same way we think about teachers who 30 years ago said, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. You got to know how to do this. Like (laughs) we are those idiots 30 years from now because like we just saw a, a revolutionary is a strong word, but we just saw the best augmented reality device to ever be released. Yeah. And it's AI AI in general is insane. Like, how we, will AI be incorporated into the average like educational outcome? Yeah, like, or like the the Elon brain implant? That person can control and allegedly. Like I, I want to see no, that. That, that person can get controlled. <laughs> that, no, it's well. Did you hear? They can control a computer mouse like with allegedly. their head. Allegedly. I will not believe anything Elon is tells me unless it is empirically after, backed up. Look, is that before or after the monkey dies? <laughs> here, here's what I'll say is, yeah, it's rudimentary now. And like the, the Apple VR that I was talking about is, is super expensive. So, and it's like bulky. So it's not realistic to use AR all the time with that. But we're progressing. Eight years ago, when like the first VR that I remember hearing about came out, you couldn't wear it for more than three minutes without like feeling like you needed to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can sit on your couch with this device, which I say is bulky, but really is no bigger than like it's smaller ba- really than a baseball helmet. Yeah. And you can have Safari and Excel and freaking YouTube in your living room as big as you want. Or you could sit on the toilet in the middle of Glacier National Park and it looks like you're there like that that i'm just I, i'm curious to see where we'll be when our kids are 16 17 years old it was something that's a little off topic but nick reminded me of it i saw a really funny tiktok he's about, today he's about to talk about when he shit and yeah, today and i was watching tiktok and i saw a really funny one and it was a guy who's like people in the past predicted the future and he's like someday they're gonna have toilets inside on the moon and it's like they say like what <laughs> One day we're going to have a calculator in our pocket so I can use it in my flying car. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're no, really, really bad at like predicting what technology is going to look like. Like something that seems like it. this is so far-fetched, equally as far-fetched as a calculator of literally a fucking brick that you can hold. Not even a tiny little slim thing that you can hold in your hand and have the sum of all human knowledge at your fingertips at all times. It seems even, some, yeah. it's somehow more realistic than a car that flies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can, and this is it's it's the common analogy. This is more powerful than the computer they sent people to the moon with. Infinitely. Yeah, infinitely. Yeah. So. I'm pretty sure it's like a million times or yeah. billion it, it times. Like thirty or kilobytes stupid. or something. It was crazy. Like literally yeah. kilobytes. Yeah, uh, I know we're getting a little closer, so I'll wrap up with the last couple of points. The point about like technology and AI is really interesting to me because I I do wonder what AI will look like for like because. You obviously the joke of it is like oh don't don't get surgery for the next thirty years because all your doctors are using like ChatGPT or whatever right <laughs> but like there is truth to that in a certain extent like you mentioned it Nick like obviously the more technology progresses the less actual like you have to do thinking it's like oh I'll just Google that like whatever I don't need to remember that kind of stuff I'll just Google it does that have an impact on our workforce on our educational outcomes anything like that going forward I mean I guess the ideal world is. AI learns how to do every job effectively, and we all just live in a perfect communist utopia with AI I mean, workers. You're, um, spe- you're speaking to the techno-communist inside of me. I get that. You're trying to trying to make me all hard over I here. Am, but... I am actually well, doing I my think best. Doc- doctors someday are just going to be computer scientists that know how to work the robot that does the surgery and diagnoses <laughs> you. Well, like, I, seriously. That, no, that's, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I is think... the trajectory of technology and humanity. Like, science in general as well, like, obviously, like, engineers will still be in a place. But, yeah, it's who understands the machines. I mean, like, you look at a lot of engineering now isn't, you know, can you do it? It's can you operate this machine and interpret the results it's giving to you? Like, what does this machine tell you? Last point I wanted to raise uh, before we wrap it for the day is I wanted to compare a little bit to another country that is nominally an ally, soon to be actually – uh, sorry, it's not, but I was about to say soon to be a NATO member, but I was thinking of one of the other Baltic states. Uh, I was thinking of Sweden. But I wanted to compare it to Finland. 
uh, Finland is one of the greatest educational outcomes on the planet. Um, when it comes to OECD nations, developed nations more broadly, it is one of the greatest on the planet when it comes to all across when it comes to standardized testing, happiness of their students, workforce, like competency, everything. I mean, they are ranked most efficient in schooling overall. They're second in science, third in reading. They have the lowest high school dropout rate in the, in the world with only 0.4%. And they have a drastically different educational system than us. They don't start their students until they're at least seven or eight. The first six years, there are no measurements. There are no grades. There are no tests to base your students off of. There's only one standardized, even you can call it a test in their entire like education. It's not till the student's at least 16 years old. And it's really just to determine if they need more help or whatever areas they're struggling in. It also is kind of like a career placement, like where you want to like actually like focus on your studying. There's actually a similar system in Japan. Homework is basically non-existent. They only have, they have the lowest amount of like student homework time in the entire world. They average just under two hours a week compared to the Americans where it averages between seven and eight hours a week. And that's for all grades, not even just college, that's for high school too. They only have schools from nine to one, nine to two on very long days. Teachers uh, work for max four hours a day and they have two hours per week for professional development to keep up with the latest trends and everything like that 15 minute break between every class and there's only 25 lessons per week with nine of those at least being in arts sports or some other form of like non-edu like core educational concepts and you look at those and yeah they have one of the best outcomes of all time so what aspects of stuff like that are we missing here even even if you look at cuba after the revolution in cuba literacy was roughly between 60 and 70 percent depending on the estimates you look at and within two years of the Cuban Revolution, literacy had jumped to almost 100%. 99.8% .8 of Cuba was literate by that point. And you look at the Ameri America now, 60 years after the Cuban Revolution, we still have a literacy rate of 70%. That's like, crazy to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Being an American and like having made it through middle school, being illiterate is like your system failed you so badly. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not your fault. It's the system. Part, part of me likes to think, well, not likes to think, the diehard patriot American in me <laughs> thinks that countries like Cuba that report a 99.8% okay, literacy, um, you know. Those are, inter those are international standards that are wrecked on by the UN. Pe people that can't read are, are unfindable when, oh when those statistics are being calculated and castro invented aids and gave it to the entire planet no, i mean there is see, a, like, no, there is a thing like i remember researching this a couple years ago um like the idea of like stubborn nationalism like as america a fat majority of americans are so like imprinted with the belief that if there's something to be done americans do it the best and the idea that another country does something better than us either it means they're reporting something wrong or the standards are different because there's no way we couldn't be the best at it. Hoorah, baby. I'm not saying we're not the best. Like, I, I fully accept that I'm not the saying standards saying that. in lots of Europeans do better than we do. But it, it's hard to believe that an authoritarian dictatorship does that okay. much better than we do. I, be, I mean, regardless of authoritarian dictatorship, you could be as authoritarian if you want, but if you're, you know... Literacy is a good thing. If you're in, if you're investigating, if you are investing significant amounts of your country's funding into rural communities to provide schooling to people, I mean, you could be literally Hitler. But if you're paying a billion dollars a year into schooling, your people are going to be literate. No, we're we're going to have an episode on Cuba specifically because I w I would absolutely love to talk about this and glaze up my my bearded brother Amber. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to leave with our guests before we wrap it for today about the future of education? If you have any hope to spread to the people, or are we all are we all doomed? Um, well, so I'm in a gateway to sustainability class, and I think I'm going to do like a sustainability focus for my major. And this class has really gotten me thinking about kind of how doomed we are, because there's this class of like 20 of us, and we're all talking and we're all like, we had to do the ecological footprint, which tells you if everyone lived like you, like if everyone on earth lived like you, this is how many earths we would need. And so we all took the cl the thing in the class and then we all interviewed someone else taking the quiz in the class. And so there are 20 people that like, we all took this quiz, saw how many earths we used. And then we were like, well, nothing really, like there's not really anything that we can do to change it. Or like if I do something individually, that's not really gonna change it for the whole world. And so, I feel like at this point, it's kind of just down to when is the world going to end and like, what, <laughs> what can we do? So hopeful. 
yeah, yeah. I know. This is why I mean, I'm not I, actually teaching kids. I don't kids. know if I've given my... I know I've, we've talked about climate change before. I don't know if I've given my, like, long version of my climate change opinion on the show before. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about the, the environment some more. I mean, we're coming up on Earth Day again. I'll True. be can I can I be a guest in that one as well since Absolutely. I have now had a semester of sustainability. You're more than welcome anytime. You someone want else it. who understands no. at least vaguely environmental science says with. So isn't that literally well, your whole thing? You hippie. I was in environmental geology for three years. Okay, I, I think I understand. You guys were officers for God's sake. No, uh, I'm I'm glad that you left our viewers very very disappointed and very very sad, Amber, uh, to look forward That's to what the we future. Like to do here. The point, the point of the point being, don't have kids, uh, save your money, uh, just spend it, and let's go out in a blaze of glory. I, I will ask one last question on the, you were talking about sustainability, how many Earths would it take? How many Earths would it take if everyone lived like Taylor Swift? I have no idea about that one, but... Um, Billions? Probably not a lot, considering one of the questions is, how many miles do you, or how many hours do you fly in a year? And uh, I think she would uh, hit the max, which would skyrocket the number of earths that we would need i saw a video there's an there's ai so image things. it was the inside of like a gigantic jumbo jet and then there was another like tiny Lear <laughs> jet inside it it's like taylor swift flying from one side of the plane to the other there was so many at the super bowl it's like taylor swift taking her plane from the press yeah. box down to the field after the chiefs win yeah, or the helicopter from side to side yeah, yeah. i saw that well Anyway, Amber, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, very, very educational. Oh, that's that's funny. I'm, I'm a very punny guy. Very educational, very insightful, learning about everything like that. I hope you had some fun talking about some really depressing shit. Uh, you're more than welcome anytime you want. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It has been a blast. Awesome. Well, this has been Two Lefties Get It Right. I've been Cameron. I've been Griffin. I'm Nick. And, and, I was Amber. Amber. and I've I've been Amber. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week.